it always, it cracks me up how many of those guys dip and everything. In baseball, I saw it all the time because I used to cover the Pirates too. Okay. And of course, you expect baseball players to dip like crazy. Oh, but yeah. Like Chase Claypool with a dip, and I was like, what, really? <laughs> Chase Claypool dips? He really doesn't. I guess Gunner gave him that dip as like a good game. Oh, yeah, wow. Like that was his game ball, like the game. Uh, nice, yeah. nice. Do you chew? I, you know, I, I went to Catholic school of Central Catholic and uh, freshman year I was chewing and we had this prefect of discipline. This guy was like a former uh, Marine drill sergeant, Mr. Wheeler. Nice. Took me to the bathroom. I had a fresh uh, tin of Sco- uh, Copenhagen. He said, uh, week's uh, suspension or uh, eat this. So uh, he made me eat the thing, puke all over the uh, thing. And honestly, to this day, I can't touch tobacco products. So (laughs) son of a bitch, I guess. You You always hear like most people, the first time they chew, they puke anyway. Oh, yeah. So I want to follow up with Chase and be like, dude, how'd how'd that go? Like, how did that work out for you? (laughs) Yeah, I've tried a few times since. It just goes like right to my head and, you know, no. I never tried it. My dad does it. My father-in-law does it. My whole family actually basically does it. All the all the males in my family basically do. But I never got into. I've never even tried it. Yeah, yeah. It would give you a headache and probably get a little nauseous. Yeah, it's It's hard to get rid of it out of your mouth, and when you start swallowing it, it well for me kicks back traumatic memories. Yeah, not not (laughs) not the best, but yeah, it it cracked me up to see Chase with a dip in. I was like, that's good, that's good. But yeah, man. you were talking earlier when you first came in. I definitely wanted to bring it up with you because I was I saw on your Facebook you you were diagnosed with Lyme disease, which is just awful, man. How did this happen? How's this kind of been affecting you? Yeah, it um, in early June uh, I had a couple of bites on the back of my leg, and my girlfriend has a place up in Ligonier. We're always out in the woods, the dogs and stuff. Um, you know, nice place to get out of the city too. And um, so sh- we also had a couple other bites and the ones on the back of the leg were really itched, but they were kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And um, that was like early June, late June, I went to Boston uh, on a vacation and, uh, you know, ate a lot of seafood and stuff came back. And my knee swells up to the point I can hardly even walk on it. Mm. So they, um, they're, they're like, oh, you know, you maybe you've tested me for gout. I don't have gout. Did MRIs, no problems there. You know, blood tests, whole nine yards. So they can't really figure it out. They didn't test for limes. Um, so they shoot me up. Um, we had this uh, camp um, about to start, and so they shot me up with cortisone, kind of masked the pain. Um, and then, um, you know, still was not feeling right, fatigue, all these, all the Lyme symptoms, you mm-hmm. know, throughout the camp and everything. And, um, you know, it just flared up again, my knee to the point, like it was hard to walk on. So I went back to the guy and he asked me a bunch of questions and I had a bunch of the other symptoms and he said, you know, are you out in the woods? And then it just all came together. So the, you know, the test proved that I had it and, you know, just started the antibiotics. So knock on wood, these will kick it out. And, you know, that's (laughs) crazy. It is. What's really scary is you think about how many people are misdiagnosed that have this, I mean, particularly like fatigue and depression and stuff like that. And, um, you know, instead of antidepressants they should be on antibiotics you know yep. and then you know heaven for i fortunately did not have um the heart palpitations or uh, uh bell's palsy of the face yep. but there's probably a lot of people that go in with bell's palsy they think they're having a stroke they probably inject them with um you know emergency stroke medication whatever that may be but man um so it's it's scary and you know i just i would say to a lot of people i mean i really don't usually post that kind of stuff but i'm just thinking about how many friends i have who have medical conditions and they may want to get the test just because i had you know i just totally did not put two and two together and um you know i I guess it's pretty i mean i guess allegheny county is like one of the most common places in the country 
our area, I mean, Pennsylvania in general is rampant with, with ticks. It, yeah. I mean, and Lyme disease, obviously. I like, like my whole family hunts my whole mm-hmm. life. We're big family. My name's Hunter. Like it's no <laughs> secret that my yeah. dad named me Hunter. He likes to hunt, but I've been like terrified of ticks. Like, thankfully they've, we know about it because we hunt. We're always in the woods. Like we understand like, dude, the second you get out of the woods, you have to check, check. yourself Absolutely. thoroughly. But a lot of people don't know. Like you would never think the average guy just go out camping, come home camping. Like you said, a bump on your leg. You probably thought it was a spider bite, a mosquito bite, just exactly. a random little bump. But man, the the ticks, they terrify me. Like I'm yeah. not, spiders are fine. Like a spider in the house, kill it, get rid of it. Doesn't really freak me out. Ticks gross me out, man. Like I, know, I hate I ticks. It's, it's nasty. And, uh, my poor dog had it too, and uh, oh, you know, he just no. wasn't himself. And here, you know, we're worried about him. Oh, and meanwhile, I wasn't no. feeling myself. So, you know, we, maybe we got it from the same damn tick. Who knows? You know, but um, you know, it's uh, fortunately it's nice to know what the problem's been, and and now just try to get through it. You yeah. Know, so and and you know, my friends that have had it said, you know, the antibiotics have uh, kicked in, you know, various times, a couple of days, a week or so, but they've all, you know, really haven't had any relapses yeah. with it, which is good. So you know. it's good. It sounds like you caught it kind of early and yeah. I don't know how much you follow like the UFC or mixed martial arts. A little at the bit. Highest level. Yeah. There was a fighter, Jim Miller. I don't know if you know Jim Miller, but not familiar. he had, or has, I guess you never really don't have it. Yeah. I like think it's, it's yeah. dormant. Yeah. He had, he, he got over it, but needless mm-hmm. to say, there was a, stretch in his fighting career he's a huge outdoorsman as well constantly hunting constantly in the woods from like northern new jersey okay maybe southern new jersey i don't know anyway new jersey like not the new york city new jersey Jersey, though (laughs) the woody new jersey yeah Yeah. um and he went through this stretch in his fighting career several losses in a row said in training he just fatigued all the time and exactly like a fighter would think I'm just tired because I'm training all the time and I got, you know, kids. I got, I'm running the gym. I'm just tired because I'm tired and it's normal to be tired, getting a little older. Turns out he had Lyme disease like the entire time. He was trying all kinds of crazy stuff. Nothing was working. And finally, somebody diagnosed him correctly with Lyme disease. And like, I don't know if he took antibiotics or if he needed like, they do kind of like blood transfusions and things when it gets intense, right? Yeah. I don't know if he needed to go that far or not, but now he's literally still fighting to this day oh, nice he's like one of the most active if not the most active ufc fighters of all time like most wow. wins in lightweight history he's he's one of those guys that's just been there forever and constantly right. fights a legend of the sport so to see it affect somebody like that man the ticks they don't care who they, you are no, it's gonna they, mess you up they don't yeah and it's it's weird it's a lot of times people get in the head i had it in the up you know upper back part of my leg which you're not really looking at so you know it's uh sometimes out of sight out of <sighs> mind but come back and kick it in the hey, ass well i'm glad you got the antibiotics and i yeah. hope that that does kick it in the ass because yeah. like yeah that's not something you want to be dealing with especially in this profession man boxing no. promoter you're tired again you're tired anyway oh. constantly stressing out yeah i know and this is kind of a nice car i do have one guy um that i train uh who's going to be on this card but he he lives in brooklyn he's pretty much training there most of the time so he's gonna we're only going to get together a couple times um before this fight uh, he's a pro debut, and uh, he's a stand-up comedian there so in New nice. York, so I'm not sure how long he wants to do the pro boxing, but yeah. What a combo. Yeah, he went to Point Park here in, uh, for undergrad in boxing, was a really tough fighter, and um, you know just loved it and wanted to... I, I th- he came and fought an exhibition on our last car at the okay. Meadows. Who is this? Uh, uh, Zach, the uh, Serbian sledgehammer Petrovic. Okay, so, nice. Real, real character. Um Heavy-handed fighter, and uh, he's in a good fight uh, this week. But, you know, that's the only guy I really have 
that I train on this card and I will be working a couple other corners, but it's kind of nice to go into a card where you're not running a camp, right. you know, and, right. and then also doing a card. It just takes so much out of you. So it's nice to kind of have a breather going into this one. Yeah. So. That, that's an interesting dynamic of boxing promotion. I've talked to, I've talked to Derek Gionta a lot. You know, he manages and trains fighters oh, yeah. as well. It's weird how in boxing you guys are involved on that managerial and training level as well as being the promoters where in MMA like we we're not involved at all in managing yeah. the fighters training none of that. We just promote the fights and make sure everything goes smoothly, make fights. It's it's interesting. What's that dynamic like for you being involved on so many levels? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very tough. Um but you know, it um on the promotional side, you know, we use it as a vehicle to try to get the guys on a bigger stage and, mm -hmm. you know, televised fights or get signed with uh, a national promoter who's doing TV, um, which is, you know, really the goal for us. But um, it, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot. Um, I, I think, though, you know, if you look locally, um, fighters get to the point where they either, you know, have to align with the promoter or do their own shows. Um, you know, Rod Salka, um, did a number of shows himself and, and really built his record up well. And, um, and then, you know, got big fights like the Danny Garcia fight. Yep. And I couldn't imagine being a fighter who's also the promoter of their own show. Nuts. I mean, that, that's just insane amount of, um, pressure and, yeah, and right. stuff going into a fight. So kudos to him for doing that. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I do think like guys like Derek and I, um, you know, we have, you know, Derek has a lot more fighters than I do, but, um, you know, we just have to keep them busy and, you know, certain times guys are hurt, other times they're not, uh, sometimes they're ready, sometimes they're not. So, um, between the two of us, if, you know, we consistently do shows, you know, I'll put some guys on his vice versa and, um, and it's just a nice way for us to kind of keep them busy Yeah, and, um, and it's, it's worked out. So the obvious question is. The, the conflict of interest. Like, how do you navigate that dilemma, if you will? You mean, are guys fighting each other? Yeah, or, exactly. Or well, just setting your guy up with a fight that he might lose, like making yeah. sure that you're not giving your guys cupcake matches. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I, I like to kind of, in PA, you know, Serb's pretty strict on the approvals. He is. So you can't have cupcakes. <laughs> we can for definitely too talk long. about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I think it's a good thing because, um, if you have an undefeated fighter coming out of PA and most of their fights have been local, um, the bigger promoters will open their eyes to that, you right. know, on, on, in pro boxing anyway. Um, and, um, you know, I'm all for local guys fighting local guys and I actually push it frequently. Um, it's not universally welcomed or agreed. That's the way it should go. But yeah. if you look in the history of local Pittsburgh boxing, they'll, all the guys fought each other and then yep. they were good friends afterwards and stuff. So I, I like to push those fights. They don't always happen. Sometimes they do. Hopefully we'll see more of those, but um, I just think that's, and I ha would have no problem having two guys that I manage fight each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, actually that will probably be happening down the road with a couple guys that we have because they're around the same weight. It's so inevitable at some point, it's right? A, it's yeah. inevitable. And I, I think they help themselves to get to the next level. And if you put your guys in tough fights early, you kind of know what you have. Right, you right. Know, rather than kick the can down the road for mm -hmm. a long time, you know, and see how they face adversity. Yeah, the the conversation of local versus local is very interesting because that doesn't happen in MMA either. Our Pittsburgh guys won't fight each other. Even if they kind of cross-train at a gym, they won't fight each other like even if it's not their home gym they don't want to fight a guy from that gym which it, it's like a double-edged sword right like i can totally see where they're coming from you don't want to fight a team like there is yeah. a respect factor involved sure. and i respect that 
But at the same time, it's like you said, the biggest fights would be when you do that. The biggest fight in MMA history in Pittsburgh was Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Mazzotta. And even though Cody's from Ohio, he was training in Pittsburgh. He was very well known in Pittsburgh. And Dom was a Pittsburgh boy through and through. That was local versus local. Yeah. And that's why it was so crazy. And everybody loves it. But I don't know that we're ever going to see one like that again. So yeah. what do you think? Do you think that this is something that over time people might become more receptive to? Or should we just accept it? Well, I think they we got to push the issue to have them accept it. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think uh, some of these guys will be forced to do it. Um, you know, later in their careers, it'll just be a fight that they can go out on their shield, um, make some money, and um, you know, like I, one fight I, I keep bringing up his name, but uh, Salka and uh, Monty Clay had a great fight. Um, both of the guys were, you know, the back end of their careers. Um, but it was on a Sammy Vasquez undercard and, uh, oh, wow. it was the fight of the night. Nice. Um, you know, two local guys. Now, I don't know if they would have done that fight earlier in their careers, but at that point, why not? You right. know, and it really was a good one. Um, so yeah, I'm all for guys doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your background exactly? Because you can tell like you're a student of the game. You, you know, the history of boxing and particularly boxing in Pittsburgh. When did you get started in this? Well, I, um, I grew up in Squirrel Hill, and uh, Billy Kahn was uh, Ugh, a famous guy. What a legend, that, dude. Yeah. He doesn't I, get enough credit, by the way. I'm glad you brought up his name because he's a guy that people need to talk more about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he was a legend. And um, he, I was, remember going to school one morning, and on, on the uh, DV morning show, I think it was actually Magic 97, which was a popular morning show back in the day. Just but dated yourself just, a little bit. I know. <laughs> Late 80s here. But uh you know, they announced that he stopped this uh, robber in a burglary in Squirrel Hill. So I always thought that was like the coolest thing in the yeah. world, you know. And um, and then uh, I went off to college and um, our school gym, this is up in Vermont, uh, was closed for a couple of months. And then off campus, there was a boxing gym that had weight. So I went in there to use that, you know, started competing, doing golden gloves. And then, um, you know, just really stayed with it 30 some years since, you know, more of a, you know, cut man training um, now a gym owner, you know, had a gym for about 11, 12 years. So, um, really kind of done all the roles, never had a pro fight, you yeah. know, um, but, um, uh, you know, worn pretty much all the other hats and I never really thought we were going to take on the promotion hat, but here we are. That, you know? Well, how did that happen? Because that's what I was just going to get to. <laughs> like, at what point does it turn into, I'm going to promote fights? Cause that's a totally different animal. Yeah. Well, we had been managing fighters and, you know, we had the gym, um, and you know, I, a lot of these promoters have their own fighters and they get, um, they eat at the table first, which I totally understand because that's the way it is with us and, and with Derek. But it was hard getting these guys on some cards. And um, we had the Ukrainians coming over and my partner, JD, just said, we got to start doing shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, it wasn't something we deliberated about. We just really didn't have a choice at that point. So um, we dove in and, you know, we took a lot of lumps and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to learn the business and, you know, we had two guys from another country that were very hard to match, expensive opponents, and now they both have, you know, the fan bases, and, nice. you know, it's really worked out. Uh, but, um, you know, earlier on, we had some good fighters that weren't necessarily big ticket sellers, so right. you have high right. expense, low income, and, you know, it's a hard... Not the best combo for a promoter, that's for sure. No, no, definitely. So, you know, we've learned, and we've um, done 15 shows now at, you know, venues, all really cool venues all over nice. town, and... Um, 
I wouldn't rule out any of them to not go back to. Nice. But, um, That's always a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. They were all great. And, you know, we have good rapport with them. And uh, it, I think some of them we just kind of outgrew or, right. or the right. location wasn't as good. Yep. But, um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. And now we're going to this 15th or 16th show, this one. So Nice. So your show coming up October 29th at the I, Hollywood Casino at yes. the Meadows, which is cool because we're having a show there the right. Saturday before exactly. this coming Saturday. I don't know when this will air. So if you guys are watching this and I said this Saturday and the show already happened, just forget that. <laughs> <laughs> but your show is coming up October 29th. What's this card looking like for people? Like, what gets you excited about this one? I, I really like all the matchups on this. And, um, you know, it, it, the um, we just added a female fight, um, Colleen Chaos Davis, who's 1-0 from Sharpsburg, uh, fighting a debut from Toledo, Ohio, Clarice Morales. Uh, tough uh, Jamaican um, from a really good gym up there. And, um, you know, that's that's I don't really know anything about her, but uh, it, but it looks like a great fight on paper. Uh, so good four rounders. Um, you know, one of the regional matchup fights I'm really excited about is Lucas Adams fighting uh, Zach Randolph. Randolph is um, six one and one, big puncher. Uh, Lucas is three one and two, uh, but he just had a win over Mike Mana, um, an eight rounder. And Lucas is a really tough guy, and um, you know Zach's a big puncher. So those are two. I mean, not two Pittsburgh guys, but uh, right. Lucas is from Butler. Zach's from West Virginia with two regional guys stepping up and taking a, a great fight. So right. I'm really, that's one of the sleepers on the card. I think, you know, could be one of the better fights. Um, uh, we have Keontae Irving, big puncher. Uh, he's fighting a guy, Brent Oren. Um, Brent is a tall southpaw, has a win over uh, 9-0 guy this year. Uh, so his record's a little deceiving, not a great record, but uh, he's been matched pretty tough. Yeah. And, um, and then we have um, uh, Joey Turk. Uh, big fan favorite. Um, he was in fight of the night on our last card. Uh, he's fighting uh, five and seven Andrew Satterfield, who's kind of a you know been a regional um, tough journeyman heavyweight, uh, and that's a really good fight. And um, then we have uh, the uh, Serbian sledgehammer I mentioned earlier, yep, Zach yep. Petrovic. He's fighting a guy named uh, an MMA, MMA guy named uh, Isaiah Margheim. I'm not okay. sure if that name. Yeah, name I actually don't about. know him, but. Now He's I'm going to need to look him up. Yeah. <laughs> we saw him fight in, at a show in Kentucky one time. Okay. And uh, he lost a split decision down there. And All it right. He was, was a pretty spirited fighter. So nice. Brought him up. Um, Matt Conway, oh, uh, popular go. local fighter. Yeah. He's fighting in an eight rounder for an ABO belt uh, against Gabriel Smith. He's 11 and three. Nice. From Houston. Um, and Rosie Morales uh, is fighting Jesus Ramon Perez. Who's uh, 15, 14, and one, but um, this guy is very dangerous. He's beaten a lot of, um, like this past year, he beat like a 21 and three. And, Oof. you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, has been in with everybody. So this would be a great test for Rosie. Uh, and he's bringing undefeated record himself, uh, eight no, and has been looking really sharp. Uh, his last two fights, he's had first round knockouts. He's been really. Uh, trainer hard with uh, his new trainer Jay Rogers out in uh, Newcastle. Nice. So, yeah, those guys are uh, doing a great job. Yeah, that's a matchup like that for me personally is one that I get the most excited for. When you get a prospect who's undefeated on the rise and you can get him that veteran test, that guy that's already seen it all, like nobody will steamroll this guy. He's got to be on point. Like that's a really dangerous fight for Rosie. And if he gets through that, then I imagine that sets him up for a mega fight after that. I agree. Um, and he's, um, you know, he's 
really hasn't turned down anybody we've thrown at him um, and, you know, has just a great uh, support network and a hard worker. So we're real proud of Rosie. He's uh, been in there. And um, one other guy I want to mention that uh, would have been on the card, but um, is uh, Johnny Spell, one of our fighters who was uh, tragically shot on the south side oh uh, five times and has made a, just a miraculous recovery. Um, he's out of the hospital. He's uh, training again. And, you know, um, I still think he needs some time to, you know, rehab this stuff. But, um, you know, it's just amazing his uh, dedication and work ethic to get back into this. So that's crazy to hear. When did that happen? It happened, um, I want to say um, early September. I could be wrong on the dates, but they had it all in pretty video. recent. Yeah. Pretty recent. Yeah. So, wow. um, they had it all over the news and they had video of the incident and they have the guy. Good. So, yeah. So, you know, onward and upward to Johnny. Uh, I know he's working hard and itching to get back, but, um, I'm sure he'll be know. back then, man. Yeah. A, a fighter's mentality is different. As you know, I'm sure you've been around and being a fighter yourself, the training alone, that's something that like I always tell people who don't really follow the sport, just kind of show up to watch the fights or, you know, watch the pay-per-view live stream, whatever the the training camp is the fight <laughs> like Absolutely. that the the work they put in ahead of time is so much more grueling than the fight itself and that's by design so that the fight's easier obviously Absolutely. but people always miss that so no when doubt. you have a, a boxer saying he's going to make a recovery like i believe him because Absolutely. i know if you can go through it he's already been through mental struggles Absolutely yeah and he um you know he's a young healthy guy and you know i'm i'm sure the great physique he's in uh help with the recovery you know rest of us may not have pulled through definitely you know? yeah i mean so. that that's a huge thing so yeah. that's cool man that's a stacked card for sure so yeah I, and we love that venue man i know you guys have had a show there too as we've, well right we've had one and we really liked it too they're great yeah. uh folks to deal with and um you know it's not a bad seat in the house i like no. to have the rings in the round i love that yeah i love a small intimate show i'm the same way with concerts like i don't like seeing a big arena show i like the small clubs uh, yeah. where you can get right up on the stage and that's kind of how the Hollywood Casino at the Meadows Event Center feels to me. It's real no real tight. Everybody's losing their mind. Like, it's super loud in there. It just feels a little crazy. That's that's the yeah. vibe for fights that I no like. No doubt. No doubt. And a good location. It's easy to get out to. Sure. Easy parking, you know. So we're excited. I think we're the last outdoor show of the season because you know, it gets a little chilly in there. A little but, bit. A little uh, bit this time of year. The, yeah. the big crowd, though, you know, you got the body heat. Warm, warm it up. you right up. Yeah. So. I, I don't think either of us is going to have a problem with that, which is exciting. You it know, is. It's it, nice to see combat sports in Pittsburgh coming back. A hundred percent. And I, I honestly think that, you know, there's enough fighters in the area to just keep putting out these shows, you yep. know? Um, so if more people want to do it. I welcome them, you know, um, uh, the more promoters, the better. I don't think one's eaten off the other one's table or plate or whatever, however you want to <laughs> exactly. say, it, you know, I, I think that there's enough guys that are hungry and want to do it. And there's honestly just not enough shows. Yep. You know, Ryan and I say this all the time, and that's that we can all win together. It doesn't have to feel like we're at each other. So, I mean, you're sitting here on our podcast. It's not like you were like, Absolutely. no, I'm not going to come be on your podcast. <laughs> because Yeah. Like, we no, don't no. have this sense of we're hurting each other. We have a sense of we're helping each other, which is exciting. And I don't know that we've seen that in the city before. Yeah. Kind of, it's kind of a, uh, irony, I guess, when we're talking about how local fighters won't fight each other. And now we're saying that we need to play nice too. But yeah. <laughs> It's true, man. Like, there's space for all of us to win together, and besides, 100%. two different sports. No doubt, no doubt. And um, yeah, it's uh, 
you know, it's nice to have some promoters around. For a long time, Mike Akery kind of ran the show, uh, and he was a great promoter. He um, brought Spatafora up and mm. uh, in the early days, um, and Mike passed away, I want to say about two years ago. Uh, but he was a guy that um, you know would often lend some advice and stuff. Sure. And uh, you know, I remember when I was a fan uh, going to his shows. Uh, I, you know, I would always be like, kind of like, oh well, I wonder why they don't do this or wonder why they don't do that. But now I know why they don't do mm, that stuff. You know, you it's, as a promoter, sometimes yep. the best fights yep. that you think should happen don't happen for a variable number of reasons. Yep. Maybe just the fighters themselves, but maybe from a cost standpoint too, yep. it, it just it doesn't work. So that has been so. My degree is actually in journalism, and I covered MMA professionally for about a decade before I started working with Ryan in two four seven. So I had always seen things from the media side. Mm-hmm. That the money side, obviously, of promoting has been the biggest, like Oz lifting the curtain reveal to me. Like <laughs> that side of things, it blows my mind. Because <laughs> most people think like these promoters are just cashing in money. Uh, like we're just having shit. We're getting so rich having fights because that's what slimy promoters do. Yeah. We're all so rich that we all have other jobs too. <laughs> that's how rich yeah. fighting gets us. But it, it, it's what you said. Those fights that don't come together, maybe for financial reasons. As a fan and as a journalist, I remember looking at fights like that and being like, what are they doing? Like, why can't they just make that fight happen? It's so obvious. But there is sometimes this obvious reason, and it's purely financial. It's a business at the end of the day. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, at the higher levels on pro boxing, like these fighters that are assigned with, you know, Top Rank or Al Heyman or PBC or something, you know, there are um, rivalries and, you know, things that prohibit the fights being made on that level too because, mm-hmm. you know, only this promoter will work with Top Rank and Eddie Hearn, but he won't work with Heyman. And yep. You know, yep. it's it, it it a lot of the stuff we've seen on the local levels is kind of translated. You know, it's just That's the crazy. same thing on a higher That's level crazy. too. So, yeah. um, you know, I think if there's two fighters uh, with promoters that don't work with each other, you know, somehow those fights can get made occasionally. You know, if it's a big enough money fight, they'll find a way to do it. But sometimes they don't. You know, there. There's some stuff in boxing, too, I remember talking to Gianta that just doesn't happen in MMA where one opponent will help pay for his opponent to get there or they pay what is called a slot fee, I think. Or, for some yeah, matchups. like a buy-in fight buy-in and then fight. they pay a slot fee, yeah. That stuff, when he was telling us about that, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like, people will pay you to let them fight? Like, yeah. what? You're, you're basically paying a guy to try to knock you out. Right. You know? what it, I, and, um, I don't get that. Pennsylvania is not a popular state for that because, you know, Serb won't match cream puffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're you're rolling the dice on paying your opponent to, to knock you out. Uh. You know, you see it more in states, uh, you know, can, you know, Kentucky's uh, sure. southern states. Um, but uh, up here, not quite as much. Uh, but there are guys that really pad records doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll be ten and zero, and then you look at who they fought, and yep. you're like, oh, okay. They I were, see. They were paying out a lot yeah. of opponents. Yep. You know, and people, you know, obviously people like you. That's a promoter's responsibility as well to know what you're getting into. I think we're lucky in Pennsylvania. I know a lot of people, Greg Serb, maybe they don't love the way he operates because he's difficult. Like you said, he won't approve cream puffs. He makes competitive fights, and sometimes that means that he denies a fight that you're trying to make. And that's not necessarily the best for somebody. But it's interesting to me 
in PA, it really does feel like he has fighter safety at the forefront. I think he genuinely cares. And at the end of the day, that, that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we travel around a fair amount and, uh, most of the time when I'm in another state, another commission, I, I wish I was back in PA, mm-hmm. Greg, cause you know what you're, you're getting and right. there's no, you know, gray area. Um, and you know, he's tough, he's firm, but he's fair. And he's with that. He's like that with everybody. So, you know, he doesn't target certain promoters. I think, I think his, uh, approvals are pretty across the board, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and we've had many turned down. Over the years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh yeah. Us too. It happens all the time. Yeah. And sometimes we disagree still, like yeah. even after it happens, but a lot of times I see it and I'm like, I get it, man. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I got to give him that one. Like I do appreciate that he cares. I mean, it feels good as much as it's a hassle. Like, like you said, when you're in other states, it feels good to come back to PA and know like this is going to be a well-run show that's fair and competitive. At the end of the day, we want to see good fights. A hundred percent. And you don't want somebody in there who's, um, you know, past their prime or may have some damage that we don't know about. You know, we want to see everybody get home to their families. So, yeah. Uh, so he does do a great job with that. And I, I do think, you know, if you're an undefeated fighter and, you know, most of your fights were in Pittsburgh or Philly, um, it does hold a lot more clout. Sure. Be- and it's because of him. Nice. You know, because of the approval process that he puts us through. That makes so. a lot of sense. I want to circle back to the Billy Kahn story because I think that's that's fun, first of all. But did you like boxing in general before that? You know, I did. I grew up, you know, there were great um, fights on TV. You know, I grew up uh, watching Hagler and, um, you know, certainly uh, Ray Mancini and, um, you know, in his prime. And then, you know, all the, you know, great fighters in the 80s and, um uh, Duran, you know, seeing a lot of his fights, but you know, my dad wasn't like a diehard boxing fan. It was on the ho- on in the house sure. all the time when there was a big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he, we didn't go to fights or anything right. like that. But I, you know, that that just knowing uh, Khan was from the neighborhood, and then hearing the story when I was uh, probably a freshman in high school. That's really him, cool. Yeah, yeah. it always kind of stuck in the back of my mind. Then when I went to college, um, you know, here I was kind of forced to. Uh, stay busy and exercise in a boxing gym and that's where it just kind of picked up and I had a good trainer there and um, you know what you know had no uh, great amateur career to to speak of but But you you know fought in the the Golden Gloves and you know just loved it and then um, after college lived in Boston for a while and there were some gyms I went to there and just sparred and nice you know but um, you know didn't compete there but um, you know so Met a lot of people throughout the East Coast over the years in boxing. And then it was, my cousin was good friends with uh, Emmanuel Augustus, the drunken master, who was a, a famous journeyman. Um, Mayweather said he gave him his toughest fight. Oh, nice. And um, my co- and there was a fight in Detroit. And uh, my cousin called me the one day. He's like, hey, Mike. He's like, you know, Emmanuel needs an extra cornerman. Do you want to come up? So I went over no up way. there and worked the corner. It was on an HBO card. Oh, that's and cool. And so that kind of really kind of pulled me back into sure. the, the training corner stuff. So, you know, it was, it was a great experience. I don't know that boxer, but I'm going to assume he had a really unorthodox style. The most. <laughs> <laughs> the most. He would dance a lot and frustrate guys. And, you know, his record, his final, he had like 70-some fights, and it was probably something like 36 and 36, his record with like 15 draws. Wow. But, you know, had fought everybody under the sun. Sure. Uh, beat a lot of undefeated fighters and uh, was on ESPN highlight a number of times for just wild dancing and punching yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah. 
Do you? Sorry about that. He, he had a fight of the year with Mickey Ward too. Nice one year too. So great fight. I'm gonna have to look that up because that's interesting. I always like guys like that because it reminds me of. Do you know Cody Garbrandt? The name? Uh, I I've seen him fight. I certainly know who sure. he is. I don't okay. know him personally, but yeah, yeah. But just know of him. Yeah, he told me because he actually lost as an amateur. He was undefeated as a pro all the way up through the UFC. Won the UFC bantamweight championship, and a lot of people saw him as an undefeated fighter, but. In the region, like we knew he lost as an amateur. Like a lot of people remembered his loss as an amateur. And I remember talking to him before about that. And he said, like, amateur fighters would almost give him more trouble. Like the higher up he got, the better the opposition got, the easier the fights were because that's how he had trained his whole life. Wow. He had very like strict, like Olympic boxing type hmm. training. So when he would see people do the things that you get taught to do, he would be very comfortable reacting to them. He's like, oh, that's what I've been doing my whole life. When you get against an amateur, it's just kind of wild, reckless, not doing things by the book. That's when he's like, I don't get these looks, you know, yeah. that's not what I'm used to. So hearing this Augustus drunken master, like I could see why maybe Floyd said that was his hardest fight ever. I bet that's why he's like, I literally never fought somebody who fought like this, this. awkward. Yeah. And, yeah. And strange. I know. And it, uh, it, it's, you know, like there's a lot of fighters I've noticed around here that, perform better at the six eight and ten round level than they do for uh in, in pro boxing it's just like that those four rounders are very dangerous right you know because the guys come out like a million miles an hour yep. and don't uh, stop and they don't stop and you know if you get a bad headbutt or a good punch they can clutch and hold and all of a sudden you're you're up against the clock you got to get <laughs> this guy out yeah you know so um it, it seems like the pace is a little different in the six eight and tens i could definitely know? see that Boxing does seem like a sport where, and this is me, like I'm really not a hardcore boxing guy. Maybe I'm wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it does seem like over the course of, like you said, a 10-rounder, 12-rounder, that the best guy by the end takes over. It really does seem like it usually levels out. I agree, yeah, it's especially from a training standpoint. Right. You know, whoever has um, the stamina in those later rounds uh, usually gets the edge there. And, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have a more skilled fighter, but maybe they just don't condition well or and stuff. Uh, I uh, was a cut man for uh, Sammy Vasquez, and you know, Sammy living in Colorado Springs and training at that high altitude, I really saw a difference in him in those later rounds. Mm. You yep. know, where he just his lung capacity and his uh, stamina. That's so huge. It, it so really huge. is, and. Um, I think pl training at altitude is one of the best things you could possibly do. Any fighter. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Any athlete in general. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting sport. I think people underestimate, and you know, obviously, as you've competed, but boxing is incredibly tiring cardio-wise. It is. Um, Carl Froch, uh, one of the you know super middleweight champs, he was saying one time in an interview that you know if you he, if he wasn't a professional boxer, he probably would be like a marathoner. Oh you wow! Know, because the amount of running yeah. that you have to do or that he did. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I see more guys doing the interval training, and that's something we like my fighters typically tend to do instead of going out and running like a twelve miler. Um, you know, it's, you know, like three minutes on one minute off three on one off, because that's really what you're doing in the right. fight. So, exactly. um, I think training like what similar to what you're going to be doing in the ring is very important. It makes so much sense. Now, are you a Steelers fan by chance? Die hard. Okay, yeah. good. So you'll definitely know the reference, but I'll, I'll always remember Super Bowl 43. I hope I didn't get that wrong. The Cardinals Super Bowl that they won. Mm -hmm. James Harrison's interception return, 100, 101 yards, whatever it ended up being. 
and he was like dead at the end of that run if you remember like oh, he, yeah. he was like dead and i was just thinking to myself i was in track in high school at the time maybe just early college at the time in good shape and i was like he ran 100 yards and he acts like he just ran a marathon and then the more i think about him like he's trained to burst for like five seconds at a time and get a rest five yeah. seconds at a time get a rest like he's not used to running a hundred yards so it's weird it's exactly what you're saying about boxing like if you're not training for a boxing fight then you like a marathon runner wouldn't have good boxing cardio right no, away exactly. totally different yeah it's more of that interval and uh, i remember hollyfield talking about that for uh, before the first Tyson fight, he said, you know, he used to just run, run and run like 12, 15 mile runs. And um, for that one, he switched his training up and, and did the uh, interval and it really gave him more stamina uh, yep. in that fight. And, and makes so much more outside. sense. Yeah, it really does. And I've also a big proponent of having that one minute break in training, especially in sparring. A lot of guys cut that down to 30 seconds because they think that they're, you know, the punishing it's like, it's, I think they look at it like putting a weight on a bat and swinging the bat and taking it off. Like your lungs would be stronger. I don't know from only doing 30 seconds, but mm. I really think you got to practice that minute of breathing between rounds because that's what's going to happen in the fight. Everybody you gets know. a minute. Is Everybody that amateur and pro? The amateur same? and pro. Okay. Yeah, you get a minute. But a, a lot of gyms will cut it to 30 seconds in sparring. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, you I know, get the theory. I mean, I get it, but. Yeah, it's just I, I just think it's good to oxygenate the body, you know, for that minute and uh, yeah. keep doing it in a fight. So it's get good used to get, it, it's good right? To get, it's good to practice what you're gonna do, you know. I always thought, see what you think of this idea. It's never gonna happen, but this has always been one of my ideas. It's like they should do this. I always thought heavyweights should get a little longer, light heavyweights should get a little long, like not insanely <laughs> longer, but maybe like a minute twenty for heavyweights. You know what I mean? They, like, to, like I, as I don't think any of them would complain. Exactly because, <laughs> and, and this might be more so MMA. A lot of heavyweight boxers are in insanely good shape. You know, I think of Tyson Fury. He's like a freaking lightweight, never gets tired, insane yeah. speed. But in MMA, you see a lot of heavyweight fights that by the end, these dudes are just walking with concrete shiz, just oh, slugging. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, these guys could really benefit from just a little more time between then, rounds. Yeah. Like, I think we'd have better fights. Like, it, 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 They would get off the stool a little bit more energetic, I think. You know, And that's what people want to see. You know, They want to see the big boy. They don't want to see... Something that looks like Jim's pub down the road yeah. at, at 3 a.m., you know what uh, I mean? Two guys uh, slobbing and holding on to each other, yeah. No, some of these big heavyweights do. It does get that way. But it was a quick work for uh, Wilder the other night. I don't know if you saw that. I but, did. Wow. I did. I was going to bring that up, actually, because I felt like that fight flew under the radar pretty hard. I'll be honest. I didn't know it was happening. I saw a video of the knockout. I was like, Deontay Wilder fought? And yeah. Got a ridiculous first-round knockout. Has anybody, I know everybody's going to say Tyson, but nobody hits harder than Wilder I in the history he, of the sport. I agree. It's uh, crazy. Oleg and I were having this conversation last night. I mean, the distance of where his punches are coming from. and when That they one land, was nuts. And that, that was a short one. It was so short. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, he yeah. looks like he just And he's him. only 212 pounds. Yeah. You know, he's yep. not like, you know, that Hellenius was over 260, Ugh. I think. You know, just Didn't a matter. house. Didn't you matter. Know? Yeah, he walked right into that. What? Like... You being a trainer, you being involved, is there, I always thought so at least, there's a God-given whatever, there's a natural element to that kind of power, right? Like some dudes just got it. Some guys are just heavy-handed, yeah. you know, and it, you know, you, some guys just can, you know, and there's other guys that aren't as heavy-handed, but, you know, they can learn to position their body to, to hit a little bit harder and right. really work on it. 
um, you know, especially a lot of these European fighters because they come over and they're used to a high touch output uh, amateur style. Right. And the transition to the pro game, um, you know, you got to punch a little bit harder and sit down on your punches and kind of pick and choose your shots. Um, but a lot of those guys, you know, um, their body shifting is so good that it's an easy transition, right? You know, to it. But um, you can't kill everybody with every shot, or else you'll be exactly gassed by the second, third round. You, you know? get Wilder putting Fury, which when he popped back up from that knockdown, it's like a zombie. That I've never seen anything like I it know. in all my years watching fights of all levels. You never see somebody get pasted like that. And get up and be fine. That made no sense. And, and came right back and got and right won the rest it. of that yeah, round. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I know, I know. How is that remotely possible? Yeah. And, and kudos to the ref for letting that one oh. go. Oh, yeah. And see, that's a huge difference. In MMA, he would have pounced on top of him, never would have had a chance to recover. You would never see a comeback like that in MMA. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, I know. It's exciting to see. Well, Wilder's a one. A lot of people say he's a one trick pony. And to some degree, some degree (laughs) is, but that trick is deadly. (laughs) You know, Um, the fight I'd really like to see would be Wilder and Usyk because you know Usyk is crafty. That if he avoids that punch, I I think he can do some serious damage and take him into the later rounds and wear him out. But there's that punch. You know, yeah, (laughs) it still feels like heavyweights are where it's at and where it's always been in boxing. The big guys are just. It's a different level of fun, right? When it, they're in there. It is. And they're skilled. You know, there's a lot of good skilled guys. I right. mean, I, I'm a huge Tyson fan, but I, I do have to say, I, I thought that in his prime, it, they were soft, you mm. know, in the 80s. Nice. I mean, the Tony Tubbs, I, I like Tony Tubbs, but I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they weren't on the same level as what we're seeing today yep. with these guys, you know, yep. as big, strong, and skilled. And, you know, it's it's a totally different game. How how is that conversation in boxing? Because in MMA, we hear a lot of the same thing. Everybody wants to talk about the goat, the best fighter of all time, and it's always like you'll hear guys say early era guys, maybe Chuck Liddell, John Jones, like George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva. But Anderson Silva, we'll take him for example. He's a perfect example. Started losing a lot towards the end of his career, and then a lot of people are like, ah, well, maybe he's not the goat because he started losing a lot. But a lot of other people say you got to take them at their best in their prime and judge them based off that. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about it in box? Cause I'm sure a lot of guys, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong again, but I feel like a lot of guys could probably beat Muhammad Ali nowadays. I agree. I, I agree. But 100%. what he did at the time was unheard of. It, yeah, I, absolutely. So I, I think really light heavyweight down, you could make comparisons that the all time greats could, or, or probably would beat the guys, some of the guys today, because uh, you know, uh, but the heavyweights, it's a little bit different because now we got cruiserweight, bridgerweight, heavyweight, and you know Muhammad Ali would really probably be a, a cruiserweight today, yeah, smaller he, for smaller sure. yeah. today. So um, while I think he would beat a lot of guys, I just can't see him being beating a Fury or right. uh, Wilder just because of the size alone. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it's kind of tough to compare those. It but is. you know, back in the day, like a Harry Greb. Um, you know, he fought everybody. The other fought, legend. Yeah, there the other go. legend. You know, up and down, you know, all these divisions, fought the toughest of the tough. There's no video of the guy, which is, you know. That's unfortunate. It's so yeah. unfortunate. But, uh, you know, he certainly took on all comers. So you wonder where a guy like that would be today. 
Yeah. yeah. It's fun to speculate. I love it stuff is. like that. It's like I'm big in the hypothetical discussions yeah. for sure. I, I saw the interview. You had a great interview with Dalton and uh, you guys were touching on that. Yeah, and, you, yeah. know, you just mentioned about right. Chuck Liddell yeah. and, and stuff, you know, so it, it is, but I, I do agree with you guys that like, you know, fighters have evolved now to a much higher level, you yeah. know, I don't know if that's, you know, the training techniques or, or what, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, to be fair, I think it goes across sports. Like I have a Jack Lambert tattoo. I'm huge. Like seven, my dad was the biggest Steelers fan. So I grew up just loving those seventies teams and thought Jack Lambert's the best ever. But when I watch tape, like I can't imagine him being who he was in today's NFL. He weighed 210, 220. Yeah. He's such a tiny middle linebacker, just weight wise. Obviously he's like yeah. six, four, six, five, but, and maybe he would, maybe he would figure it out but when you watch a lot of the older guys you just can't imagine them being what they are in today's nfl yeah like, that's that's all sports and no doubt he he is a good example of you know what if you know our uh fighter Lubomir uh wears a lambert jersey to the ring each fight loves him <laughs> now nah, he's my favorite he's fighter my fa <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's one of the best um you know so it, it, intensity can't be matched with lambert oh no no I mean, he should have been a fighter. He should have been a mixed martial artist or a boxer, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, hopefully the Steelers turn the corner a little bit here. Uh, what do you think? I think it's a long see? season. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're not buying the hype of the recent Buccaneers win as no. turning a corner or anything? I, I, unfortunately. I mean, I, I hope they can salvage it. But, you know, I mean, we've gone through so many good years and, you know, you you go through these cycles yeah. in, in anything, you know, yep. so I, I think we're in a down cycle now, but hey, I hope they prove me wrong. That's the other benefit of my dad, like being a huge Steelers fan. He's like, I've seen this before. <laughs> like in my lifetime, honestly, I've known pretty good Steelers teams almost my whole lifetime of, of caring about the sport. Yeah. This is my first time seeing a team that's like, ooh, not very good this year. <laughs> like it's different <laughs> for me, but the older timers have have been through this it gets better yeah yeah we've been through the cliff stout years <laughs> exactly and all the bobby all, brister bobby brister yeah. and you know but sometimes these guys do surprise you you know so we actually had um Najee come by the gym a couple of times nice that's he, awesome he, he's a great guy and he's a big boxing fan too i did not know so, that yeah that's cool yeah he was training at a gym in uh houston with uh a promoter friend uh, marshall kaufman and uh you know, Marshall referred him up to us, and uh, he came a few times and worked out. And that's so cool. Yeah, nice. Fast hands. I was gonna say, does he have hands? Yeah, he nice. does. He, nice. Yeah, he brought Mark Robinson the one time too, the one rookie. Okay. And Mark uh, was first time ever at gym. He was really athletic. He picked. He looked good, good in in preseason and everything. I was impressed with him. I was happy to see him on the active roster this past Sunday. Yeah. So he got he got a couple reps on special teams. I think. I think so. Yeah. Those guys are, as you know, I don't need to tell you, but freakish athletes uh, in general i've amazing. heard of a lot of steelers boxing like i remember bud dupree was working with richie cannellino a that's lot. right i think yep. devin bush was mm -hmm. as well steven nelson they they just not only like are they fast and strong and everything but athletically they can pick up new ideas so much better than oh, the yeah. average joe like you tell them something one time and they're like yeah i get it my body i know how to use my body like they just get it better absolutely just the weight shift yeah get, especially getting their core mm -hmm. behind punches and stuff um but in terms of um, the time, the three minutes and one, they are used to the quick explosive. <laughs> I can uh, imagine gassing being a yeah, problem. Yeah, you know they're used to those thirty-second bams or ten-second, you know, yeah, yeah. explosions. You know. Well, I gotta ask, and this is like sacrilegious after we've talked about all these amazing boxers, <laughs> but Le'Veon Bell, what do you think of his boxing career? Uh, 
I, I'm embarrassed. I didn't see his first fight. It didn't look bad. He didn't I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It didn't look bad. Yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised. And he he won by knockout or yeah. decision? No, knockout? he knocked him out good, too. Like, it oh, was wow. a legit knockout. It was a good punch. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, hey, if uh, Gastineau did it back in the day, Ryan Gastineau, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys haven't had the uh, crossover success, but... Hey, well, you never know unless you try, right? You how, how do you navigate that? Because that's such a part of our culture nowadays. These Jake Paul, Logan Paul fights, Le'Veon Bell. Like we see so much of that now. Is there an interest for you in setting up a fight like that? Well, um, we just fought on a card in New York a couple weeks ago, and um, John Gotti the third was on the card. He was a uh, MMA fighter. I was going to say when I, I used to work at flow combat that streamed MMA and we had a couple of his fights on our cards too. He was good. He was a good MMA yeah. fighter. Yeah. Yeah. He showed up. I mean, he didn't have an entourage, you know, he made weight, very professional, nice guy. And, um, brought a ton of people, you know, ton yep. of people. Yep. And I guess on the pay-per-view too. So yep. someone like him who is a real fighter, but uh, you know, a little bit of a novelty, I would certainly, uh, put that on a card of ours in the future. But um, I think, you know, on terms of the Jake Paul and stuff, I think it's good for the sport. I, I kind of did a 180 for on him when mm-hmm. he fought in Cleveland. He gave like all that money to That's those other crazy, people, which is, yeah. I mean, really awesome. A, awesome thing to do. And if he brings awareness and he brings, you know, new interest to the sport, let him do it. You know, that's my but, thing right there. And that might be because I'm more on the promoting side now, but like, any influx of new fans is ultimately going to be a good thing. Absolutely. Because you're going to have guys who start to see Jake Paul, but then stick around and become these the diehards like you. Like, that's how it starts. You have to... You had Billy Kahn, a story about him stopping a robbery is what really yeah. got you hooked. It wasn't his fighting. It was this novelty thing that he did. Yeah. So it's kind of the same same situation. It brings people in. Absolutely. Um, Steve Cunningham, you know, two-time cruiserweight world champ um lives here in pittsburgh you know has some great fighters himself uh he was in a camp with jake paul and you know he he said for the amount of time the guy's been at it he's it's impressive you know Um, he looks good to me too i mean i'm not a boxing savant by any means but you can tell when somebody knows what they're doing or at least trains he certainly looks the part to me yeah yeah, so it will be interesting when they step him up. Though, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Will, will he catch the person, or uh, will he be totally exposed? Is he fighting Anderson Silva? That's what I... Okay, yeah, I thought that, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's happening. Up. Nice. And Silva did not look bad in his pro boxing. No? Who, who did he beat? Um, he beat some someone. Yeah, and I uh, totally should know it. Um, Cesar Chavez. There you go, yeah. yeah. Chavez right. Jr. Chavez yeah. Jr. Wow, and that's, that's an impressive win, because Chavez Jr., had a ton of profiles. Had some accolades for sure. Yeah. yeah. Everybody said, you know, he's a shell of himself and whatnot, which I'm sure yeah. to a degree. But that, that's right. But he, you know, he was a world champion. Uh I think a junior middleweight. I mean, he gave um um the former middleweight champ, um, he had him in real trouble in the uh Sergio Martinez. Mm. He had him in trouble in the late rounds. And, you know, he was always kind of known as an undisciplined fighter, right. you know, which right. was a knock against him. Yep. But um, certainly was a puncher, so that's an impressive win for it's Silva. It's a good win. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for Jake it, Paul, that's a good fight. It, yeah, yeah, that is I'm a good excited. fight. I'll be tuning in. I was just going <laughs> to say, I can't help but get excited about him. Like Le'Veon Bell, same deal. He's fighting a former UFC fighter next, Uriah Hall. Who, oh, I don't recognize that. Yeah, yeah, funny enough, everybody called Uriah Hall the next Anderson Silva when he was coming up. Wow. So very similar build, very explosive striking, big knockout power kind of guy. So Le'Veon's got a, 
that's a hard test, man. Yeah. Like the, wow. Even though he's not a boxer, he's been training his entire life. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that there's enough time to catch up to somebody like that. No, you're right. You're right. Now, is that on the same card? I don't know. Danny, do you know? It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I got to get that card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to tune into that one. I hate that I'm excited <laughs> for that, but I can't, I can't deny it. That's fun. Yeah. But yeah, I think locally, like the fight you need to do is like Mark Madden versus a random caller. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah. the ultimate ticket seller. Uh, he's, he's hilarious. Oh, uh, I love it. I love when people get upset about him. Oh, man. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. He, um, yeah, I, I used to listen to Matt on the radio at home from work. And I mean, some of his comments and some of these callers oh, are dude. just so priceless. Dude. So he does get some of the most ridiculous calls ever. Like, if you were in his shoes, you would react exactly the same. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Some of the stuff these people <laughs> say, these reactions. Like, I literally just saw a tweet today about people that were at the Steelers game against the Buccaneers. When Mitch came in, they were booing him like crazy. Get off the field, Mitch. Throws a touchdown, and suddenly they're Mitch's biggest fan. Love Mitch. That Mitch should take the job back from Kenny. Like, <laughs> dude, fans are the most <laughs> fickle creatures ever. It's uh, so crazy. I know. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, they love you when you're up and tell you everything you did wrong when you're down. That's you it. Know? And maybe no sport more than boxing and MMA where that's the case, man. And it, and that that sucks. It, it's always sucky to me to see these fighters who everybody's all behind and they lose once and suddenly nobody cares about them anymore. It's like, what? Exactly. Everybody loses a fight if you're in the game long, long enough. No doubt. No doubt, and it, you look at uh, top guy in boxing right now. Canelo has a couple, yeah. you know, has a um, couple losses, and but and a look, recent loss, and a recent loss, yeah. absolutely. And you, you know, you look at who he fought though, and yeah. like, who's going <laughs> right. to judge that? Exactly. Know? Yeah. Even local guys, you know, I, I always respect the guys that step up and take a loss. Uh, it would be like, you know, can you imagine going to Seven Springs every weekend and going down the Bunny Hill? You yes. know, I mean, what, you, yes. at some point you got to challenge yourself. Yep. You know, and. Um, some guys it takes a little longer to do that than others, but that's a good way to put it. I like that. So with this being like primarily we have an MMA audience, obviously for people who want to get into boxing and especially local boxing, like who are some guys that you would say, keep an eye on these fighters because they might be the next guys to go to the next level. Uh, in terms of amateur or pro or, uh, or either we'll do pros pros. Um, well, certainly I'd say, you know, the closest right now is, uh, Oleg Dogun, uh, Oleg's ranked number three by the WBA and, um, you know, we're real proud of him. He's just an absolute workhorse. So I, I think he's the closest to get, getting the big shot, but, um, you know, also I, I think guys like, you know, Matt Conway has, has been in some tough fights. I mean, he gets a win here. He's going to be in a real good position for another big fight somewhere mm -hmm. um you know rosie is another guy up and coming uh spell um johnny spell is another guy that is um you know really exciting fun to watch and uh undefeated as well um so i, I would say those you know and you know we just had a tough fight in new york with uh lubo pinchuk um you know lubo is now uh 14 uh 14 14 4 and 1 but, you know, the uh, cruiserweight division, you know, he gets two more wins. He's right back in it. Nice. You know, so, um, you know, I would say that's the real stable of guys. Um, Phil Hutchinson has a good record. You know, he's in a, he'd be in a position to get a big fight yep. coming up to, uh, soon, too. Um, you know, with his record, I, I think he's in a good position. So I would say those guys really, in terms of next-level type fights, they're, they're all going to be in a good spot. Or they put themselves in a good spot. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. Hutch pretty well over the years i've gotten to know him well and he's an awesome guy love hutch 
I will say he is a guy that I look at and just, it seems like he does more work than there's hours in a day. Like got his law degree, runs a very successful business, undefeated pro boxer as well. It's like, dude, how are you doing it? Like he's one of the most driven individuals that I've ever met. And it's just so impressive. Like his career in boxing, it's like, if he was only focusing on boxing, how good would he be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, most of the guys locally do have to work multiple jobs and, uh, you know, just because unfortunately on these club circuits, it, it just doesn't pay. Not happening. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so kudos to Bill and, you know, I mean, going to school and doing all he did, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and you have to be dedicated to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's really a grind, I think for all these guys and, um, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to see where the sport's going. I mean, in the past, there's always there's only been one or two guys you could probably mention here. You know, I had a whole group I just threw at you. Yeah, I had to scratch my brain. Awesome. I hope I'm not yeah. leaving somebody out here. I know I am. Someone's. I was going to say mad, you'll but... inevitably forget somebody when it comes to stuff <laughs> I like know, that. I know there's so many good fighters you know around here. So if I do yeah. miss anybody, forgive me. Yeah, I'm sure they will, man. And so for anybody interested, come out integrity. Fighting promotions. I'm uh, trying to remember the uh, full fight, fighter management. Fighter management. Not a real Dang. promotional name, okay. you know. All but right. uh, yeah, Integrity Fighter Management. We're doing it um, at the uh, at the Meadows Hollywood Casino on the twenty on the twenty ninth. Two weeks nice. coming up. So so thanks to people like you, and I, I would like to think we're part of the conversation as well, like getting combat Absolutely. sports back in Pittsburgh. Man, it's an exciting time. It really is. So for fans who haven't checked it out, go check them out. Come to our show and then go see some boxing the following Saturday. That's a perfect absolutely. one, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, appreciate you guys having me on. A lot of fun and uh, looking forward to the show, too. For sure, man. Thanks for stopping out. Thanks, brother. See you, people. Appreciate it.